Property Marketing Made Easy, the podcast. Here's your host from Get Savvy Club, Anna Geary and Anita Baldwin. Hello, we are the Get Savvy Club and we're on a mission to teach anyone in property how to get visible online. Why? So you can get deals, you can get direct bookings, you can find JV partners and investors, or if you're a realtor or estate agent, you can find new stock and ultimately you can make money. If you would like our help, just message us on info at getsavvyclub.co.uk or find us on social media. Hello, welcome to Property Marketing Made Easy with the Get Savvy Club. I'm Anita Baldwin and I'm here as ever with Anna Geary. Today we have on a fabulous guest. So we went on her podcast actually before she came on ours, which was a bit bit bizarre because, you know, you think, oh, did we talk about this? I don't know. Um, And it all felt very familiar. But uh, so Rachel Troughton has been in property for a long time. She's seen it all. She's done it all. And what I love is, uh, you know, her, situation which I won't tell you about I don't want to spoil it for you but her situation she could have sat back and gone oh there's nothing I can do um I can't work I can't do this I can't do that because of these reasons and just kind of really done nothing but she didn't she said okay here's what I need to do now and she did it even with like really difficult circumstances so I think and also with you know an Alice Bandon and perfectly painted nails so oh, yeah. on site working helping all of that so if if you're out there and you're female and you think it's not for me I can't do it I can't get down and dirty I don't know what I'm doing I'm not a man I don't have a man in my life who can help me or whatever the excuses are we tell ourselves and this is the episode for you to inspire you to just crack on and um you know Rachel does talk about the mistakes she's made, but she's also made a lot of money along the way. So she's helped a lot of people too, hasn't she? Yeah, and if if that's something that you're interested in doing, then definitely have a listen. So let's get into it. If you're enjoying Property Marketing Made Easy, the podcast from Get Savvy Club, use your podcast app to rate, follow and subscribe. Well, I've been in property for over 20 years. I was an army wife. I moved around 19 times in 23 years. And quite often I was head of household because my husband was away. Children were having to be moved from different schools and things. And so wasn't able to hold down a job and thought, hmm, I think it's down to me to make my pension. Um, and on a brief trip back to England, I saw a very early Sarah Beanie. And I thought, oh, I can do that. That's man management and maths. So I run a home. That puts me up, up, you know, definitely me. So I bought my very first house by walking into an estate agent, literally, and going, hello, I've come to buy an investment property. Please sell me one. And that was my very first house. I've still got it. And it was an outstanding number. I was just so lucky. And it's, it, you know, it's addictive, isn't it? You where just, is that? Where oh, is that now? It's just outside Salisbury Plain. That's uh, it's one of And my how much days. did you buy that for 20 years ago? Oh, 20 years ago, it was £118. And I didn't even buy it <laughs> below market value because I was told, because it had a little sticker on it saying, ideal for investment. Um, oh, <laughs> yeah, so just believe that. They are nice then, aren't they, estate agents? They can be. Like, you yes. know, they've given you one that's a genuine investment one. You don't have to, you know, hoodwink yeah. them. No, I mean, it did everything. It did everything on the tin, except, of course, be able to sort of rinse and repeat my money. But hey, I didn't know about that either at that point. So that doesn't matter. But interestingly, I've only ever, you know, put two boilers in there and two sets of carpets in there since I've had it. And it's earned me a fortune. So yes, it was a very good buy. And then I did a few of those. And then I moved my whole business up to Stoke-on-Trent for a variety of reasons and just kept buying there. And I was sourcing properties. And I, I then got into the building bug, you know, you do. And, you know, planning games. I fe- by accident, like so many people in property, I found myself doing things. And then you go and learn about it afterwards. And you go, oh, 
wish I'd known about that before I'd have got it right first time. And I've just kept going. And now we're back. My husband's left the army and we're back in sunny Suffolk, although it's not so sunny today. We've got 14 unused redundant agricultural buildings, which sounds grim, but it's fabulous because you can do so many different things so everyone's always surprised to discover I have a wedding venue uh, alongside my bitelets but I've also got you know warehouse storage isn't property fun you can just do so much you make it sound very easy but what are the what are the big mistakes you say there's some things where you you did it and then you kind of learn you think I wish I hadn't done that what are those things and how did you overcome them then well I think I think quite a lot of it is when you discover something for the first time you think this must be either wrong or not possible or illegal along those lines and actually (laughs) most things in property and just the fact that you just go oh didn't you know how to do that um Mm. so i think one of the biggest mistakes i I think i made was when i started building was that i thought the price the builder gave me was that it you know mentally in my mind i was going to be given a lovely little building back you know ready for the first tenant to move in i was horrified to discover that no you know even the paint hadn't happened it was a built building and then it was over to you chum and so that was a, a big learning curve because of course that was quite cost implication but luckily that was all right but even down to things like title splitting the estate agent didn't know about it the first one I did went horribly wrong because I didn't know enough for a start and I rang up the council and said you know classic you know no 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 uh this has happened can I do this can I do that and of course as a result of that they stopped everything it would have been because councils are lovely and flexible and helpful aren't they Well, absolutely. And I, I didn't understand the basics of things at that point of, you know, even indemnity insurance. So, it, you know, little things. And I, that's when I realised that actually, if you want to be good at property, you cannot be an island. It's no good just reading about stuff. You've got to go out and meet people and listen to them and just be an utter, utter sponge and go, oh, yeah, little, I, I'm going to do that. Yeah, let's go and try that. And not be despondent when it doesn't work because not everything does. Yeah, like, well, I think that's what we, we're finding when we help our clients is or a lot of the time when they come to us, they've not kind of, re- or they didn't realise when they got into property, that actually it's still a business as well. You need to do all the things that uh, a business needs to do. It's not just a case of, oh, I'll just do property. You need the whole skill set that an entrepreneur would need to be able yes. to go out and do that. That's my first, I mean, I, I wish I had been allowed to get a pound for every time I met an irritating person who would go, oh, I love property. Isn't property marvellous? I'm just so passionate about property. No, you're not. You're passionate about what property can do for you and the money it can bring in. Money, yeah, making money. Fair enough. It is a business. And actually, I mean, I started off life in retail. I worked for Jaeger, Harvey Nichols, Selfridges, Harrods, that sort of person. And it doesn't matter whether they're working at the high end. (laughs) Why you said that? That sort of person. (laughs) 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 Why made me laugh? It just did. Oh, you know, that sort of person that goes to a job. Anyway, carry on. Well, it's, it doesn't matter whether you're selling high or low. The fact is that you need to buy the right stock in the right place for the right price and sell it to the right person. And it doesn't matter where it's closed, which it was in my case, or houses now. It's exactly the same principle. All the background stuff's got to be there. And you are running a business. If the underwater bit goes wrong, then you might as well pack your bags and shut the door. It's gone. So were you an army wife in this country or were you doing this from other countries as well? Oh, other, other countries, yes, yes. So that's we like made... adding another layer of complexity, yeah. isn't it? It is, but you see, that's when things get fun. Because I was, we were based in Germany. We had a house in France because I used to, we used to weekend in France because I wanted my children to be very multicultural. And they speak several languages. And, um, you know, I discovered 
through a conversation with someone that there was this thing called, uh, you know, tax deductible. Well, those two words have been absolute mantra in my life. And I realized that if I went to a networking meet, and in those days to the only one that was running was the Berkshire. Uh, if I went to the Berkshire and I went to B&Q and everything at the same time and did the estate agents, the whole of my trip was tax deductible. I mean, who wouldn't be paid yeah. to go shopping? Perfect. <laughs> Yeah. I don't know about shopping in B&Q. That place is confusing. Oh. <laughs> it must be so hard to work at B&Q if you think about it, all what they've got to learn. Yeah, well, it's one probably why they do, if you look at the age group they work with, it's the older age group working yeah. there, aren't they? Mm. It takes you a long time to know all those different screws and what bits of plastic things are and whatever. Yeah, and, and that's, that's another learning curve because my very first big renovation was it was a house in France and of course European plumbing kit is completely different to English you can't oh. just interact you can't just into do them they're different widths and everything so that's when you I you know I suddenly realized that actually there is more to this than meets the eye you've got to you've got to you though even on site I wear my pearls my painted nails I, I don't get out of bed without them <laughs> you know I, I just knew that I couldn't perhaps do the plumbing but if I want to do this stuff well, I need to be able to look at somebody and know when they're doing it wrong. Yeah. Um, how, how did you go about that then? Oh, just spending hours on site at the beginning. And, and, and you, very, you very quickly, I think, get to trust yourself when you realise someone's not telling you the truth, they're not working correctly, or even having the confidence. I remember sitting on a roof watching the struts coming because we were building a, a ha some flats at the point and uh, one of the boys went this is going well isn't it and I went do I yes I will so I said well yes it is and no it isn't I said I just I, perhaps it's my eyesight but I think that beam's a little bit wonky and there was a great deal of oh the girl's got it she's got dust behind the eyeballs number and they got spirit level out and it was off and it was just actually because I was sitting in the right place and I could see yeah but, yeah. yeah from that moment on and you went with your instincts but it was funny how just that one comment just made such a difference to how they treated me on site i was in the mm. right place at the right time yeah and i guess it's about um like you know all the property training companies talk about having your power team don't they which is a bit of a you know like a wanky term for just saying having people you trust and you know if they give you a quote it's going to be accurate and they're not going to screw you over and they're not going to leave you a shoddy work and just having all of that and I, I imagine trying to do that either from a different country or in a different country just adds another challenge on there as well and yes, another language i'm only speak english very loudly if you don't speak english to me <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> that always reduced who I could work with. But yes, it just means you just have to be enormously organised. And when things went incredibly wrong during, um, this is the other irritating thing about property world, why does everyone always just have massive successes? You know, there are problems and, you know, people do have disasters and they learn enormously from them. And I know I did. You know, going through the credit crunch was a nightmare because I had properties that suddenly, you know, I couldn't get men on board. I hadn't got the cash to do it. You know, there, it was a real problem. And you, I just had to go, okay, what are my options? I got to be terribly organized. I got a part-time job, which was flexible in order to pay all my bills. So I didn't have to worry about that. And then I organized my life that, you know, at the end of my working day, which was two o'clock in the afternoon, I drove for two hours. I could just slip onto site, tell the boys what was needed. They didn't know, had no idea that I was now working a full-time job and elsewhere. Yes. They thought I was still in Stoke. Tell them what they needed to do. Then I would spend three or four hours moving the rubbish, painting whatever I needed to do, sleeping on a little cot, back in my car, back to work for the next morning. And I did that yes. for six months, seven days a week. Wow. And what that, job did you do? 
Oh, I worked for the Army Welfare Service. I became a youth leader and, and spent my time running around, you know, playing with children. It was great fun. So oh, it's not you. all swanning around looking at like fabric swatches and pointing <laughs> where you want the cushions to go and then out you go with your millions, is it? No, it's not. I mean, that was that was quite a surreal time because, you know, at work I was clean and tidy at, uh, when I was working in on the building sites. I was down there with the chaps, so to speak. Um, and I was literally manually putting rubble into bags because that was where I could make the difference in my price. Now, that's that's not what you're taught. That's not what neat you can do if you're scaling. But now you're taught you do not do anything yourself, aren't you? Absolutely. But I'd already been doing this for about, what, 15 years yeah. by then, 10 years by then. When you have to do something, it's no good going, well, that's not my job. Your job is to make sure your company works, the money comes in and the cash yeah. flow happens. Yeah. And you reach, you reach that end game. Yes. You get yeah. that finished product that you can start making the money from. Yes. And, you know, no one is, this is the other thing. There is no, you know, knight on a white charger going to come roaring in and go, don't worry, it didn't work. It'll all happen nicely in the end. No, it's your job and you just have to keep standing back and going, okay, what have I got to do to make this happen? So did you never think, well, I've had enough of this now? No. Perhaps that's the <laughs> <a> problem. <laughs> You're obviously a gracious person. No, I have to say, whenever, you, yes, you have sleepless nights, sleepless weeks, and it, but it then comes together. And you go, I did that, look. Yeah. And then, then you know, the other people's jobs take over, the estate agents, the solicitors, and then the money hits the bank and it all is all right again. Even if you've only made a small, I mean, I, to me, the biggest profit mentally that I've ever made was the, the house I flipped in the middle of the credit crunch when I, I only made 12,000 pounds. And a lot of people would say that wasn't worth it. Uh, that was blood, sweat and tears. But I got it yeah. done on time and I got it sold out. So it didn't create me a problem. Biggest win ever. So what is the most amount you've made then? It's not a crass question. People like money and property, don't they? They like inspirational stories. So what's the best deal you've done? Most of my stuff hasn't been sold because I, I I'm very lucky. I, I hold a large amount. But I think the biggest amount of money I always think is from little amounts. So my little houses in Stoke, I was able to buy them, please don't shout, 30 to 40,000 pounds you know, at a time. And I'm still finding some of those. And I would be able to spend between 10, 12,000 pounds on them and mortgage them straight out six weeks later at 80, 85, 90. Now, that is a big chunk of money for the amount of effort I put in and the amount of time. So yes. that to me is a very good equation. But also when I built stuff, um, you know, I was very lucky because I was holding them. I was able to sell them to myself. And yes, I was making, you know, 150 or so when I was selling a, a building to myself. Again, unfortunately, I've never spent it physically because the moment it hits my bank account i'm like every other entrepreneur i go oh right what can i do with this now yes another building another so project to doing the deals yes but it's fun isn't it yeah yeah so you've got no plans to like stop no, 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 no uh, absolutely not. And also, I think the more you do it, the more you can and the wider the range of things you can do. You know, so you stop thinking that's difficult. I mean, at the moment, my my biggest uh, wins are planning game. So, uh, for instance, I had a house that was worth absolutely you know, top dollar, 250,000. Spent five grand on a bit of planning and the price rose by 100 grand once that planning had been granted. 
which I loved. Uh, I then sold it very quickly for cash. So I gave them a little discount because it was cash. So I made an extra £95,000 worth of money just for that five grand's worth of, of planning. And that's the kind of thing that you can do when you're confident and you've done quite a few other things because A, you can see what you're looking at. And secondly, you're very, you've got this lovely network of people who go, no, I can't do that, but I know a man who can. And that's what works. So if you were to start out now and you had like no properties whatsoever, but you had the knowledge that you'd got, what, what would you get started on straight away? If you And, and you didn't really have any cash to, to get going with? Well, I would go back to what I did quite severely when I was really ramping up what I wanted to buy was sourcing because I had the time and the know-how and I like people and I wasn't afraid to go networking. So when I was going, I absolutely went networking with a purpose. Still uh, not. That's, that's where we met. That's where we absolutely. met, wasn't it? I went to that meeting to meet you. Absolutely. Um, and that is the thing. I went to networking knowing that I had to be able to talk to people about what I was doing, where I was working, what I could do for them, how they could contact me. And I had in place basically a, a business around me so they could interact and straight away get going and I was sourcing and being able to take those sourcing fees some of which are quite chunky and straight away getting to buy what I wanted to do and so I started with single lets um, and you, you can still buy amazing deals it, it's it's I think it's a fabrication to say you can't in, in any kind of market they're always there um, and then just got going and started to then, once I'd got what I wanted in that area, which was single lets, I then went and did student lets. I love my student lets. But again, they're not huge. They suit me. And I would only prepared to do them when I knew that I had a um, an agent who completely got what I did. Otherwise, yeah. I was getting too involved and that wasn't my yeah. bag. Yeah. Do you, what bits are you involved in? So the, the wedding venue then, do you, does somebody else run that? I hope not you running it all. <laughs> At the moment, my husband and I do, purely because it's one of those businesses that um, has the ability to leak money. And um, we've got a lot of friends, now that we're in the in the wedding business business, we've got a lot of friends who also run venues, and this is one of their big problems. It, it, you know, you don't, you, if you have a manager, you can't control where sort of sideline money goes. So we're running it for the first two years, and then we will get the manager in, by which time everything will be tied down. Now, when I say we're running it, we're dry hire so everything comes in from the outside so basically we just wear smart clothes and waft about and make sure that everyone's happy and it's all just working that's about as strenuous as it gets oh that's um, good then <laughs> yeah, nice I, was, I was like imagine you having to like sort out getting you know the caterers in and it's, no. so you, it's just the venue that they're getting the from venue. absolutely yeah i mean today we've got a we've got a wedding on saturday so this morning the, the internet came up with a long list of suppliers that will be dropping off for the rest of the week that's about as difficult as it gets where it does work where it's still because that's a that's another thing i love doing is building businesses off businesses so the wedding business works off the property because that's owned by another company of ours. So you can move the profit round. And that's another another joy. Here's a question for you. Would you advise anyone to get into property? And what are the things you think people need to be fully aware of and prepared to do in property? Because we meet a lot of people who are doing property training, but they haven't quite made that leap into the first thing. And I think that's the scary bit, isn't it? Yes. Um, I think you've got to realise at some point, you've got to make a decision and do it. 
There's never going to be a point when if you're with a property trainer or a mentor or anyone else, there is no point in time when someone's going to go, you're now ready to buy your first property. Yeah, That's just not going to happen. And no one's ever going to go, this is a fantastic deal. No. It's never going to go wrong for you and it's going to do make all your dreams come true. That that's not a thing either, is it? No. I mean, there are an awful lot of people who do send me deals going, please, can you just tell me whether I should buy this or not? And I always just go, no, sorry. I don't know enough about you, don't know your background because you've got it's got to be right for you um Mm. and i always go the first one you buy you've got to know is never going to be your best um so don't expect it to be perfect but you do a lot of your learning on it um and it will be scary uh because you just get asked to do things that you thought you don't need to do and i think if you go into your first deal knowing that everything is your responsibility and your job then things will happen. So don't believe that the solicitor will be doing this or the you know the estate agent will be doing that. It's your business, your job. You get that first property bought and then you move on. But at the same time, you've got to remember that the buying of the property is just a tiny thing. You've got to make sure your back room is working. And I know that's desperately unsexy, but it never gets taught and it is vital. You've got to be talking to HMRC and your accountant and everything else. So it's not just a case of buying your first property. It's about going, I'm starting a business. So what do yeah. I do as a business? Yeah. And where do you want to be in five years time and start now getting getting those foundations in order? Absolutely. And when I work with my clients, we actually go 20 years out because if you're buying property, you're going to have inheritance tax problems of some description, unless you're going to pat in or you're going to have a tax at some point if you sell it all. So you can have a fantastic retirement and, you know, behave disgracefully as you grow old on your money. It doesn't matter. But you have to know where you're going to go in order to get going correctly. And it's no good, I think, being on a very expensive um, training course or whatever that says, you know, You've got to do HMOs. You've got to do a cash flow strategy. If you're somewhere where it won't work, yeah. you've got to, you know, it's just where you are, you yourself, and how much money you've got is going to dictate what you can do to begin with. It doesn't dictate where you end up, but where you start. So are you ultimately like really pleased that you thought, do you know what, property saw Sarah Beanie, that chance, whatever, that made you think, I can do that, and now look where you are now. Is that, you know, the right move for you? Oh, Yes. Um, you know, the thing is that you can do as little or as much as you like. You know, you are responsible for earning your own money, for making your your life work. Yeah. Um, and, and when you have a business, you can do so much. And I think also it it, it gives you the ability to property. And I, I don't think there's anything else like it where you can do something today, set it up. And then if you've got it set up correctly, you can forget about it and it goes on earning. It's I, I always say single lets are like the beating heart of a property company. They just go on churning out the rents. You know, the clever um, strategies that need you in the moment, uh, the techniques, you've got to be there. But you need something that is just constantly behind the scenes giving you money. Property does that. It's weird, yeah. but fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. So who and would Sarah be like, doing all right, isn't she? Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe, you know, she's been going around that long then. Yeah, she has. Yeah, because I remember when she was first on telly and uh, she seems to be constantly pregnant and they had a problem with the continuity of the houses, didn't she? So she'd go and look at people doing up houses and then she'd go back. Then then the next five minutes, she'd be heavily pregnant. Then she's not pregnant. And I was like, how many kids has she got? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Who who, who do you absolutely love working with then, Rachel? Like you you help people now, don't you? Do 
Yes, I know. Basically, look at doing getting into property themselves, or if they're in property, getting them a little bit unstuck, getting them, like you say, working out where do you want to be in twenty years' time, and getting them there. So, who who do you think? Yes, this is my person. If they call you up and they want to work with you, who's like the ones you love the most? Are the ones who have got open minds, the ones who go, I know, I'm, you know, if they're beginners, they go, right, I know, I, I know, I don't know a lot of stuff. Let, let's get going. And they and they believe that to begin with, it's not going to be property. That's the first thing I'm going to ask them about. It's going to be about them, their skill set, what they can do, you know, basically how they can set up property for them because not everyone is hands-on or or good with people and you're going to be different if you're an anti-people person but it's still per- yeah. totally possible and likewise i have a lot of clients who have come who've got property and then have stopped but need to get going again and it's again right let's yeah. go back six where are you what are you doing i mean it's that's my kind of client the ones who are quite happy to ask questions to turn up every single week and that is it coming up consistently to do what they need to do yeah you don't ever really need to be a genius at anything do you just need to be relentless and willing to carry on when others might fall by the wayside i think that's why property gets a bad name because all the clever people who've got lots of names and numbers after their names they just go well they didn't go to university but why are they earning so much money that's so outrageous that's not fair (laughs) and my point yeah. is life is fair these people life's are not anyway. fair that's what i say to the kids when i in the recruitment agency that i worked as the only, one of the places i worked as the only person without a degree um yeah. which they weren't actually they had to me and then they tried to say oh we don't have people here with without degrees and i was like you contacted me don't hire me then and then they were like oh we will we will and it, you could tell it really annoyed some of the people that were there she doesn't even have a degree no but yes. what i like is that you... only recruitment it's only a people thing isn't it just the same yeah. as properties just can you speak to people? Can you actually get on with people, communicate and to help people solve problems ultimately? But yeah. you're right. There's always a way. So even though you were in foreign countries, you were moving around a lot. So you weren't really in control of your own environment. You still didn't go, well, that's it. I can't work, can I? Yeah. Um, you know, yes, to your husband, you're responsible for the bills now. You went, well, what can I do within the constraints yeah. that I've got? Everyone can yes. find their excuses, can't they? Everyone can I think find that's, a good, that's a good excuse. I have to say, I think that was something I could control. The property I could control. The rest of my life, I couldn't. I mean, I once got told yeah. to move countries with 12 days notice, um, you know, and that was perfectly doable. I can do that, mm. but, you know, without thinking. But property was something that I did for myself and I could control absolutely and I could make it come and, and go as I wanted to. Yeah. Um, and I think that is, it is down to the fact that I'm also very badly dyslexic. Don't ask me to spell my own name on a piece of paper because it all goes horribly wrong. It is a um, tough name to spell yours, though, to be fair, isn't it? And my, Christmas, my maiden name was even worse. So, <laughs> oh, Was it? What was it? Or Brikund, oh. absolutely. And there are there are funny words and numbers in there. So you yeah. just go, oh, my word. So, yes, <laughs> absolute nightmare. But, I, I again, property allows you to do what you want. I, I, the, the best buy-to-let investor I ever met was when I had a house with subsidence. The bottom had fallen out of the house, basically. I was left with a frame. And I was waiting for the surveyors and all the clever people to come. And I was having a coffee in a little white van with the man who put the wires on the front of the house. And he was wearing a little beanie hat and we were in the cold and we were chattering away. And it turned out he had 75 bite-alerts, all of which had been paid off. And I said, never assume anything about anyone in this life. 
and and he said to me i'm i'm the happiest man in property because i have all the time in the world i go to all these buildings i know all the people that can mend them for me i don't do any of this he said but my network is huge i buy regularly from people who just want to get rid of their properties he said but i know this can be put back together would you like to sell yours no thank you i said but he knew everything and in the time that he was made to sit in the van and wait for all the clever people with the initials um he'd done all his telephoning he'd done all his connecting and and that was that yeah people like that are inspirational and they're always often very unassuming aren't they yeah yes and you again you look at talk to some you know most tradesmen who are with it have got a buy to let or subscription wherever it is mm-hmm. yet you talk to most uh you know convincing solicitors and they haven't yeah so anyway two questions we ask all of our guests all the time and the first one is to recommend a book so it's something that's helped you either in property or mindset or whatever aha uh-huh, what's Ooh. that one what if it does uh-huh. work out yeah I, I mean, what a great phrase to begin with anyway. Yeah. So it's uh, Susie Moore's What If It Does Work Out? And basically the premise of the book is every question you come up with, going, well, you might not, and it goes, no, no, only one question. What are you going to do if this works out? And if you approach everything with that mindset, life's a lot easier. Sure, so I, I think it. that is your mindset, definitely, yeah. yeah. From just like being on your podcast, which, which we did a couple of weeks ago, and you coming on ours. That yeah, you you definitely are a glass half full kind of woman. Oh, I never get it half down. I, I mean, it's always top of that. Glass full. <laughs> anyway, the second question we always ask is, what makes you savvy? I think the thing that makes me savvy is that I know that I have two ears and one mouth, and I listen. Even though I've chatted away this morning, I listen a lot more than I say, because someone somewhere has always got the answer that I need. And I did, might not realise I need to know it today, but it all goes in, it all gets stored, um, and then I'll come and, and you know find that person or find that piece of information. And that has made me so manoeuvrable, being able to get out of trouble. It's it's not worth it. I know I don't know everything. I'm, I could be quite happy about that. So that's what makes me savvy. But then I think the attitude as well, that there is a solution out there, you've just got to find someone that knows it. It's like, you know, revolutionary, isn't it? Rather than just going, this is hopeless, I can't do it kind of thing. Yes. And and I think a lot of people actually self-sabotage mm. themselves. You know, Anna and I were talking about this when we, we met was that in that room, there were people in that room that come out on a wet Thursday or whatever it was to a room full of property people. But they'd got no cards. They'd got no way of interacting with people. They didn't want really to talk to anyone. Yet if you pin them in the corner and said, what do you want to do? They'd either say, oh, I'm in property or they go, I want to be in property. Well, join the conversation then. Don't yeah. make it. Yeah. For us all, you know? So many people That's- feel like they're not quite good enough yet to do that. And it's such a shame. It's confidence everybody is. It doesn't matter what stage everybody if you're just starting out and you've never done anything, everyone in that room has been at that stage, whether they're still at it now or not. They've all everyone's been starting, haven't they? So Yes. And I think very few people in property feel they, they get good at one thing and then when you move into another thing, you're back at the beginning stage. Yeah, you constantly feel like a beginner. Yeah. yeah. You are. And you're always asking those questions again. Yeah. Shout out your podcast anyway. It's the Property Solopreneur and I've just done my 100th episode. Yeah, I saw that on Instagram. Well done. That's good, isn't it? What's your favourite thing about having a podcast? Oh, you get to talk to everybody. And it's amazing, actually, because, you know, when you say, oh, I've got a podcast and people immediately literally swing around and go, do you? Um, and you can see them going, how do I get myself invited on? Which I read an awesome stat yesterday that said 99% of podcast people stop around or before the 20th episode. Wow. So if you just get to episode 21, you are in the top 1% of 1%. podcasters. Yeah. So there you oh, go. my God. 
Yeah, and you two have been doing this for quite a yonks, as you say, three years. Um, yeah. yeah, and I just, I, I think also, ne- you're probably the same. Having a podcast means that I can, can go and ask those questions of people. You know, this is what I, because I get asked things. People do send me um, questions about, you know, property and whatnot, and I don't necessarily know the answer, but I can go to a networking meeting and see someone and go, oh, someone's asked me that. You know, can you, can you give me the answer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's life isn't it it's not not necessarily knowing all the answers but it's knowing where to get the answers obviously they can go and listen to your podcast but how else can people find you oh well they can go to my website which is racheltroughton.com and i'm an ael for troughton and uh so you can find me on my website and come and have a chat because i have a calendly link so you can come and have a discovery call it's a terrible name but it just means a chat because i don't know about you but i've one of the really good things about lockdown was the fact that everyone got really happy about using Zoom. This whole being able to see people shortcut the conversations that we used to have on the phone for hours, doesn't it, hasn't it? So, Except know, for up. my family. We tried oh. a family Zoom. My dad got in a strop because it didn't quite work. They were the ones with the like faces like slapped asses and never again. And we all had a big family round and that was that. But everybody else seems to have managed to do it. <laughs> my my, my mum's house doesn't even have internet. <laughs> So uh, they're not doing any zooming over there. They don't have smartphones. It just does that flip phone thing. But I think she's going to have to get embrace something different because it's not going to work soon. I think she said some message about how like it's not ready. Oh yes, you know, it's still three G yeah. even though there's no internet on it. And so I don't really know. But yeah, so she's going to have to get a new. I'm surprised that phone is still going. It's been going for like forever. I think it's like the only one. Yeah practically that she's had luckily though rachel our families don't listen to this podcast it doesn't really matter what we say about them but they're not gonna listen anyway so interestingly though um some of my younger nieces listen and and they're all in property if you're enjoying property marketing made easy the podcast from get savvy club use your podcast app to rate follow and subscribe that was awesome we met at the I think it was in Norwich. Um, and actually, she was like, oh, I've come especially to see you. And I thought, no pressure then, because it happened to be when you weren't, you couldn't go. That's that like the only time you've not been able to make make them. And I, I was thinking, oh, my God, why? <laughs> why? You get a bit paranoid, but it's because she listens to this podcast. So, and obviously then she has a podcast herself and she'd seen us here and about. And uh, yeah, chatted to her afterwards. And I just literally didn't leave that, that place until like midnight, which was crazy because... It was like a three-hour drive for me to get back home. So it wasn't the best idea just to stand there chatting to her. But it was worth it because we got this podcast out of it and we went on her podcast and learned a lot. And hopefully you listeners learned quite a bit as well because she's fountain of knowledge and isn't afraid to say what went wrong as well, which a lot of people do make out like everything was so easy all the time don't they in property when it's not (laughs) what I love about Rachel is that she's just got this real kind of can-do attitude that is a bit infectious I think so I can see why people turn to her to have her coach them or help them or just like pick her brains all the time because she's just kind of like well here's the obstacle here's what you need to do to get around it rather than that oh well this was too hard and and you know so that went didn't go well for me it's just like she just kind of keeps on and it makes you feel like like you can. So I love that about her. And there's not, not very many people you meet in life who are like that, actually. She didn't actually say it on the podcast, but when I met her, what, what she does is she just like, has strategy days with people. So you can imagine her just going, right, let's have a look. Okay. Making you get everything out that you're working on, where you're at. What, and then you leave with a really clear like 
straightforward plan of where to go with your problem. Yeah, it's not even it's not even having a plan. It's just having that thinking that oh well, if there are problems, I'll just go and find a solution, mm. or I'll go and talk to someone who can help me with a solution. And that's something that's well within my capability. And that's what I really like about it because yeah. if you're in property, and we obviously work with people in property all day, every day, and help them with their social media, going to find investors, blah blah blah. We talk to them about what they're doing in property, and there are always challenges. Nothing ever goes according to plan. There's always something that either goes wrong or costs a bit of extra money or takes a bit of extra time or, or what have you. And so actually the massive part of being in property is having the resilience to just cope with changes at the last minute and find a way through. And that's what I really like about Rachel and her attitude towards. I think we can all learn from that. Yeah, all the different, all the hurdles that she that she overcame. Loads of well, just doing it from a different country, let alone yeah. anything else. And, you know, you yeah. can imagine actually her going on site with a load of builders who just looked at her and thought, what does she know? And either yeah. tried to charge her extra or like disrespect her or just ignore her and what have you and she just kind of cracked on anyway so yeah and it wasn't like these days either this was like imagine what it was like 20 years ago 19 20 yeah. years ago anyway so you can find out more about her by looking on the show notes and we'll see you on the next episode that was property marketing made easy the podcast from get savvy club if you enjoyed it connect with us on social media just search get savvy club